Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is pro rodeo announcer and social media personality, Josiah Zapata. Now in this episode, we talk about the influence of the horse and how the horse provided Josiah a solid foundation to launch from in his pursuit of a professional rodeo announcing career. And in this episode, we go down a rabbit hole talking about work ethic, sacrifice, and the persistence it takes to chase your dreams in life. To learn more about Josiah and all he has going on, you can find him on Instagram under Chicho Nation. That's C-H-E-E-C-H-O-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can find him on Facebook under Josiah Zapata, and that's J-E-S-I-A-H-Z-A-P-A-T-A. He's on Snapchat. He's on YouTube. I will tell you this. He is an incredible human being. He's been a great friend to me and a huge help to Let Freedom Reign podcast. And should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with pro rodeo announcer, Josiah Zapata. So, settling in, um, it was super, uh, I'm getting pulled from both ends. It was super easy and it was super hard um, because... uh, when you have four horses, you don't just go, uh, and you got to, you know, moving from one place to another, when you move with animals, it's just tough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, um, counterintuitive because you're like, man, I want to go there get my foot in the door into places. And I was very, very fortunate that, uh, very fortunate when I went up to Decatur, uh, because I wanted to move to Decatur for since as long as I can remember. I mean, mm-hmm. even when I was in my mid twenties, I'm thirty four, thirty five now. So mm-hmm. um, I knew that that was the spot, but I, I wasn't. Uh, my path wasn't leading there yet, and I knew that uh, I had to pay my dues. I guess, like you know, just eyebrow sweat yeah. to get up there yeah. to get into the opportunities that I needed to. And I and I think for I, I think for as far as it goes for like rodeo announcer and personality and and all that kind of stuff it just wasn't the right time it wasn't timing and i had this great friend that a lot of people probably know uh trevor brazil uh called me uh and was like hey uh i know we talked a couple weeks about uh you moving up here. Uh, i got a house over here that i rent it's in the middle of town um and Clint Cooper was like, don't worry about it. Bring your horses. Come and stay. And I was like, Clint, I got four head of horses. Like, <laughs> I was like, Dude, are you sh-? like, kind of like having like, yeah, like four teenage hoodlums. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We came and we hit and we landed and never looked back. It was so just uh, once you were here, it was like, man, I hope I don't wear out my welcome. I hope I don't let anybody down. And yeah. I was just like, um, uh, you know, uh, I fed uh, Clint's horses. Um, I, you know, cleaned the barn, uh, made sure that it was, uh, I was doing more than what I was trying to get out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. several months went by and uh, we found a place and, and we were able to move in with our horses and a barn dominium. And I did the, uh, I did the old, um, so I, I moved into a barn dominium outside here in Paradise, Texas, and it is small, and I got a lot of room for my horses. So uh, once I get ready to, to go and, and buy a place, I'll, I will uh, have saved uh, some money to go and buy the place that I want to buy and stay there. Man, it's uh, it's incredible to hear all the opportunities. And as as we work through the show, right, we're going to 
go through the history and how how your life has developed to create such opportunities where you're at, you know, putting your feet on the ground right now. And we just went through a similar experience on our end, right? We we virtually yeah. cut the square footage of our house in half. Um, yes. And now we have a whole bunch more land to roam. roam. Uh, we moved from the city to the county and uh, it was tough. It was tough getting used to living in half the square footage, but we're accommodating yeah. fairly well. And uh, we definitely didn't buy the property because of the looks, um, but it's what it could be, the potential, the value, and, and how many more people are going to get served here at this ranch, you know, coming out and working horses and learning about life yeah. and, and kind of expanding on the the premise of this podcast. So I feel you, man. It's it's big life change. It's There's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to make a jump like that. I got a very, very... this. It's very off the wall. And I told you before this, like, I have no, uh, like, okay, so for everybody that's listening right now, really. <laughs> Disclaimer, go. Oh, because, because hold on, because last, like a couple months ago, I was supposed to do this podcast with you and yeah. I got crazy, like rodeo announcer stuff moving and everything just kind of, I was on the wrong day. I was a day late, wasn't I? Yeah. 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 That was a day late. I apologize, by the way. Ah, life happens, but, man. But check this so you're talking about moving down in square footage in your house. Okay. Like I am the guy that always tells people like, why do you have four extra bedrooms in your house? Yeah. You know, that thing is something smaller, right? Like, okay. I did it and I kind of s- stepped on my own foot. Um, <laughs> so in a barn dominium, I'm going to send you guys a picture. Yeah. Where, uh, when we first moved in here, how many of y'all have a bathroom that's like a closed off bathroom that has a door and everything? This this barn dominium has a bedroom, a shower, and a and a toilet and a sink. Like it's almost like being in a like a cubicle. And let me tell you why it's weird is because I'm the most private person ever. And uh, my uh, lovely lady is uh, she makes fun of me all the time because I I don't I like I gotta have privacy. And so I had to set up a shower curtain to block off the toilet in the shower area. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> so where I'm going with like, you can get to where like when you move into something, you'll be crazy. Uh, you'd be crazy to see what you're capable of doing uh, in a smaller place. Uh, and it's definitely the most fun. And I, and, I, and I know that you, Jason, have moved to a really cool place. And yeah. I think that yeah. – uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. No, it's so. been great. It's been a lot of work. We actually uh, just had a tractor delivered yesterday, so that's going to cut manpower and God, probably by 80 or 90%. And instead of having to take five years to haul dirt around this place, we can get it done in 20, 30 minutes. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of work. But uh, I truly believe if you want it, go get it, right? Opportunity doesn't just fall in your lap. you got to go create it. Absolutely. 100%. You know? You know? Uh- yeah, I had that conversation yesterday. Um, it's uh, it's different, man. I just, I, I hear you when you talk about right, trying to cut your teeth and, and get everything aligned in life to create the right opportunities to, to get yep. to Decatur. And uh, I resonate with that. And I think that's kind of why we hit it off initially is it just, although we come from two different worlds, right, halfway across the country, uh, a lot of our life experience has been the same. We have a, a similar mentality on on work ethic and and respecting those that have come before you and and like you talked about right feeding horses and things of that sort just to get your foot in i mean that's how i started riding horses i didn't have the money my family didn't have the money so i would go out and i would pick all the worst jobs at the horse facility at six and seven years old and get it done i don't know there's probably some child labor laws against that but uh uh, I wanted to ride a horse and i didn't care what it took and i wanted to learn everything that i could about it and if that required shoveling stalls and cleaning mats and doing all that nasty stuff and so be it yeah in the horse world for me it's been a big deal in my life uh i was around a lot of steer ropers i was around team roping and calf roping i'm originally from san angelo so the roping fiesta uh the rodeo and i knew what i wanted to be when i was probably about 13 years old but when you go to talk about horses um when you go to talk about horses, it's a funny, interesting story. I had it. I didn't have a choice. I had to ride horses. Um, and we, I grew up on a ranch that was 28 sections, which that's 28 square miles of 
ranch country, uh, cows, horses, uh, and and one thing that we had to remember uh, for for me, I didn't know any different. I thought that's just the way kids grew up. So yeah. when I went to town, when I went to town, people thought I was. Uh, 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 they looked at me kind of like awkward, like who are you and why are you wearing that that hat and. Like it was San Angelo, but it was still like, there was still like, I call them city kids. I don't have nothing, but it was like, the city was weird for me. It was very awkward and very, um, but we went to rope, we went to rope, we would go to steer opens. And, um, I remember watching people walk up as we were getting fuel, people would walk up and try to pet horses, you know? And, uh, that's when I knew there was something special about horses, uh, because, it attracted people that have never been around horses and people that are around horses are drawn to them because they are ultimately, uh, they're ultimately the peacemakers in people's lives and we don't even know it. Um, and, and so, uh, finding good ones. I always found something good in a, in a horse, whether it was a bronc, whether it was a rope horse, whether it was a, uh, uh, dressage horse I, I didn't care i always found something good in a horse um i i never really i never really uh would do like oh i don't like this horse because this i don't like this horse. yeah everybody does but i i always found the positives in a horse whether it was a, a bucking horse whether it was a performance horse whether it was a ranch horse um because when you were talking about the, the doing the crappiest jobs ever I always told myself, if I'm around that horse right there, things could be a lot worse. So, like, you could be shoveling stalls, holding a stop or and go slow sign. Would you like fries with that? I, I don't care what job you have right now. I don't care. But for me, being around a horse uh, was my ultimate. Um, was my was my I wanted to do that from. From the day I started to walk, I just wanted to be around him, and I and I was I was blessed to be around him, um, and I, and I knew a lot of people wanted to be around him, and so um, the horse made me happy, also made me sad, but it also let me figure out who I was at, at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, so. it's uh, it's incredible when you start to think about all the unintended benefits of working with horses, right, and. So much of the Western history and even the rodeo world, uh, the horse has been looked at as a tool in many regards. Um, they get passed along if they're not quite right, if they don't quite have the right disposition, if they're not quick enough. I mean, you look at, I mean, how many futurity horses washed out every year, right? They just don't have it for the, yes, the given discipline. But that doesn't mean that they're bad horses. And no. I have found in my journey that some of these quote-unquote broken horses – uh, have more to give than these big, pretty, fancy, expensive ones. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that you say that because I was talking to uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, uh, you know, how's Blackjack doing? He's a great big Percheron pickup horse. You know, he drags bulls out of the arena in the rodeo world with him, and it's like this the way I break it down is maybe that's not his discipline. Jason is not going to go be, uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. be Dak Prescott. You're just not. I mean, and if you have the talent to do something, it's not like a horse can be like, Hey man, um, I'm going to be a dressage horse. And my buddy over here, he's a cutter. Uh, and my other friend over here, um, this is my mayor lady friend over here. She wants to be a heel horse uh, in a team roping discipline. They're all different disciplines. They can't talk. You have to figure out what their discipline yeah, is. Exactly. And so I think with that, um, the real work starts then because then you got to figure out, well, this horse isn't good for this, but maybe if we try this. And it's really the most amazing feeling, um, I think, is I've seen it happen hundreds of times. I've seen it happen. And every time it's the same feeling. It is like, man, look how awesome that horse is because he's naturally at it. And if you would have never explored his other disciplines and his other 
abilities you would have never known. He would have just been another horse out there just trying and failing at one thing when he's really successful at another thing. Uh, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely does. And I think it's most commendable to take that approach. It's preferred, right? Because yeah. uh, it's just, there's something for everybody, right? As the old adage goes. And oftentimes people run into, whether it be limited budgets, limited experience, uh, they buy up a horse and they try to mash or mold or force them into a discipline. When yeah. you talk about, you know, that horse maybe naturally doesn't have the disp- disposition to handle that kind of stress, the stress of a timed event, per se. Yeah. Or maybe that yeah. horse just doesn't have the athletic ability to be a reigning horse. Um, but what the the great part is about the horse in its entirety is that the service that they provide to humanity and how they help level us out is absolutely incredible. And that's one blanket statement that I definitely would make about the horse species is that uh, they serve humans to a level that I don't know we would ever be able to reciprocate. I'm going to use one big word real quick in that, um, not to one up you or one up anybody, but it's something that's been on my mind. Um, the world right now is experiencing, this is a rodeo announcer coming out in me, but I, I want to give this to everybody that's listening. The world is experiencing a lot of turmoil. Uh, maybe not turmoil, I, I should use tumultuous times. Um, when you think about the way things are going right now, people can say they're bad, they're good, they're indifferent. I have a deep respect. Um, I know that we're a very diverse nation, and I have a deep respect for all of them right now, uh, as I always but horses and people, there's the disconnect right there. I feel that horses, and I also thought that if I could, if horses do this naturally, why can't humans? Because they're a horse. They don't know any different. Yeah. There's a word that I use. It's called altruism. Um, altruism is a noun that is used for selflessness and giving no matter what the cost is on the giving side. We have to love, and a horse loves and keeps giving no matter what the cost is. And a horse does it naturally. Some people might say, well, a dog does it too or this. But a horse, honestly, whether they're a, whether they're, whether they're a performance horse, reining horse, whether they're a, a bucking horse, they do everything that they love to do and they aim to please every time, um, each and every time, um, whether it is, and it goes down to this. I think when you get to see that animal do that, the mental well-being of human beings is one of my biggest, uh, I'm a big, 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 as, as you might know this, like I'm a big time believer in mental health. Yes, big time absolutely. How these horses make people's like, how these horses make people and their mental. Uh, uh, sometimes people might say, Cheech, that's counterintuitive. I know some of these horses might drive you crazy, but if they, if they weren't there to do that, you would, you wouldn't have anything to really look forward to uh, 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 trying to get back into that space. And so all just being altruistic horses, they do it naturally. And I think if people could see that um, a little clearer, and, and and some people might call me crazy for saying this right now, but I I feel that uh, it's it's the one thing that horses can do um, without us asking them to do it. They just do it. Uh, They're great examples, and and I'll tell you what for for all of the listeners and everybody that follows this show, uh, you absolutely fall right in line, and everybody believes that wholeheartedly, and. We have a lot of uh, uh, marginal listeners, right, that are maybe new to the industry or new to the horsemanship side of life. Uh, yeah. And those those are the, the people we're trying to reach and, and contact and educate. And I believe through and through, I just had a conversation two days ago with uh, the owner of, of Saddles and Service down in San Diego, their previous guests of ours. And they do a lot of work in the law enforcement and active duty veteran community. Uh, they're a military and law enforcement family themselves. Uh, they've quote unquote been in the trenches. And yeah. 
we talked a lot about mindfulness, right? You hear this. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know how much or how much experience you have with like visualization training in athletes and and yoga, yep. mindfulness, right? Meditation, that sort of stuff as far as human performance goes. And I said, what, what most people don't generally understand is uh, being a former athlete, that was always part of our regimen, right? We always did yoga. We always did the mindfulness. We always did visualiz- visualization training. Uh, I mean, when I pitched, I had gone through every single hitter and all the contingencies before I even towed the rubber for the first pitch of the game. Uh, that's just how you try to get ahead. Well, it's difficult to do as a human being, right? To stay that focused and that, uh, have that level of intent. To, to work through that whole entire process. The benefit of the horse is the horse gives you active feedback. So as you described all those people that get frustrated with the horse, and we've all been there, right? You get frustrated, you're, you're ticked, you're just, hey, it's time to put it up for the day. Yeah. I truly believe in my experience that horse is trying to tell you something. And yeah. we don't either have the mindfulness, intelligence, experience, yep. can't see the forest or the trees, whatever you want to describe it as, we cannot pick up that message. And that's what drives me is that, I used to go out early on and I, I would have a plan. Hey, let's go work on this with the horse. Now I leave it kind of open-ended. Hey, we might have an idea or something we want to work on, but if the horse offers another opportunity to learn, I would be a fool not to take that. Yeah, it comes back to me, uh, the, you know, um, not I'm not making this about me, but this is what I figured out the other day. Uh, I had a mare over here. Her name is Annie. And some of you may, have, uh, whoever follows some of my content, I put her on there every once in a while. Nacho's my big head horse and uh, the horse that I announced Rodeo off of. But Annie, Annie came very rough and uh, she was she was broke to ride. Uh, she was gentle, but as far as knowing anything else, she didn't know a whole lot. And so I legitimately sat with her for 45 minutes to open and close a gate, a gate mm-hmm. uh, while I was sitting on her and Three days later, I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm just going to let this, I'm going to let this simmer for a minute. Um, I'm going to let it soak in. So I go back three days later, I get on her in the pens just so I can open that gate and go back to working on her. You know, she walks up there, side passes to that gate and, and lets me open it up and close it. I step right on off. I take the saddle off and put her back up. I don't even, I don't do nothing else. Yes. That's your victory for the day. That's it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and also being here in Decatur, Texas, where I was at, I was very fortunate. I, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I'm not going to lie. I'm spoiled rot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few cowboys out there with a decent credibility, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm spoiled rot, okay? Because I learned more in seven days than some people would be able to see in seven years. Because I'm around some of the greatest – like, I, I, if you're a team roping fan, if you're a steer roping fan or a calf roping fan – you know, Trevor and I are pretty tight. We're 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 tight. And I don't mean to throw his name around like, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I we I legitim. I might go over there and for an hour, I may not even speak a word because I am so focused on the on the what, the why, and the how. And 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 he told me one day, and it just like I don't know, it was really cold. It was almost sleeting that day, and we were in the indoor pen. And I remember I was just frustrated because I couldn't get my horse to side pass. And he told me, he was like, hey, man, look, Superman wears a cape every day. He didn't take a day off. But Superman also is happy with uh, the small victories. And he rode off. And I was like, that was weird. Like, what is that's cryptic? Yeah, yeah. You know, but what he was trying to say was. Don't mash it all into one day. It's all the small victories. Every little victory is a bigger victory for them than it is for you. Yeah. Because because you're not you're trying so hard that you're getting frustrated, and you got to do the sm- small things. Is the one thing that all the small things lead into being bigger things. We know that, and I know that in business, and I know that even with horses. And and I was like, dang. And within about a week from then. I had this mare side passing and it took me a week. It could have taken some other people, you know, longer, but it just was not about to force something and ruin all the work that you've done. You've done, you know what I mean? And that's where, that's where I was at. I was like, Cheech, you're an announcer. You're not a 25 time world champion and horseman. That's the difference. (laughs) True. It's true. 
if, yeah, a horseman is a horseman because those guys got to mount those guys that are world champions that are, uh, you know, reigning cutters, those guys that are trainers. And I'm going to say this very, very, I'm going to boast this very much. So a world champion is great and it takes a lot to be a world champion. I'm not taking anything away from the respect, but when you're a horseman and a world champion, now you know how to fix the things that make you a world champion and also that make your horses world champions. Because the one thing they don't do is they don't give a buckle away to a horse that got you to the NFR for 10 nights of rodeo. You know, ultimately the human gets the buckle, but it was the horse that helped them win that buckle. Yeah. And I think and that's was, what's exceptional in in uh, Trevor's experience, you know, is it to to put up that kind of resume for that long yeah, it's something special, right? And and we, you talk about ropers at that level, and what separates the good from the great um, is the horsepower. But when you have that level of horsepower for that many years in that many disciplines, yes, uh, that's that's pretty rare. And then being a good person on top yeah. of all of that, yeah. uh, being such an amazing human, humans are amazing in the fact of. When you get around a horse, it, I, I personally believe till the end, till the day that they're putting dirt over my casket, that a horse makes a human better, no matter what. Like, it just does. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. That's, yeah. Like, that's my, that's my claim to, uh, like, a horse will make you a better person. And they're like, how? I'm like... You just go and do things. Your uh, your intent, your your what you're doing, even the subtle things that you do. You know, I used to have to. I so it's funny is like right around feeding time. Used to when when Kelsey, my girlfriend, moved in with me, I'd have all these horses running around this pen a hundred miles an hour when it come to feeding time, and I'd have to sort them all off. You know, so one wouldn't. I have one. His name is Blue, and Blue is an absolute. Uh, He's, he is, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, he's like a pissed off. Can I say pissed off? I'm yeah, sorry. You say whatever you want. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, uh, he's like a pissed off 15 year old when it comes to feeding time. Now, all I got to do is talk to him and be very, very nice. Like before they were running around. I was really worried, you know, like, I was like, man, I'm gonna have to put some, some, uh, mats up so they don't hit their stuff. You know, like yeah. it's just crazy. Now it's nothing like that. Now it's blue. Get to your spot. Come on, come on, blue. And he's gonna go. Like he knows. Like okay, I'm gonna get fed, but I don't have to do all this running around. All I gotta do is act like a horse. And I'm like, God, I feel so much better now. Look how much <laughs> everybody's getting along. Yeah, and you don't have to yell. I mean, like anymore, I don't have to be like, Oh, y'all are idiots. I'm not gonna yeah. feed y'all anything. Yeah. But then you want to do it because you're like, Oh man, those horses didn't eat. Now, now I got to go out there and. Like be nice to him, you know what I mean? Like no, no. Now, now they're actual. They 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 figure it out. All you got to do is spend time. That's it. Yeah, you just got to listen, right? And and yes, I, I, so many times when I started early in my journey, I mean, I would just go out and watch horses interact. Oh yeah. How do they talk amongst themselves? How do they act amongst themselves? What's communication to them? Um, I die laughing when you get all these people that talk to their horses. Come on, let's get up. Let's push up into a lope or whatever. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they don't understand English, but. Um, instead of working on formulating your sentences, why don't you try to feel your horse and, and see if you can put something together? But, uh, it's just the balance, man, the balance that the horse provides in life. And it's, it's something that's well needed. I think it's something that's well-deserved. It's an incredible reward. Um, and to watch a horse, you talk about disciplines early on in the show to watch a horse start to thrive and look forward to work and enjoy the work. It's, it's really something special to watch. Yeah, um, I think I think that um, I, I also believe, though, going back to what I was saying about you know watching athletes doing different disciplines, you know, there's really only two that stick out in my mind, and this is how rare the athlete is compared to the horse. You know, uh, Michael Jordan and Deion Sanders. I'm going to take it back a little bit to the nineties and you know, early two thousands right there and, and into the nineties, you know, Michael Jordan, 
and Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was the only person, the only athlete to play in a in a World Series and in a Super Bowl in the same year. Uh, I don't, did Michael Jordan do the same thing? No, nope. not even close. No, he, not even close. Yeah, yeah. So, but Michael Jordan was Jordan, like uh, Chicago Bulls. And Jordan even says, "I wouldn't have been anything if it wouldn't have been for Pippen and uh, and 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 a couple other his teammates." And I think about this: if the right horse and the right person come along, they do very special, phenomenal things. Yeah. And to find that, though, to find that, when I don't care what discipline it is, I think I I do use the analogy of just freak athletes with uh, the right cowboy or the right competitor. And you're like, okay, Billy Atbauer tied his arena record in 2004, 2005 um, when he rode Cool Alley for 93 and a half points. And you're like, that same, that same matchup a year ago, they marked him the same points a year apart from each other. That's not coincidence. That's not like how that, that's not how both of those were right there on the tail ends of their prime careers. And they were going so hard that you just couldn't recreate that. Yeah. And Billy, yeah, it's the exception. Bauer, yeah. I think Billy Ebauer at the time was, he was 42 years old. So put that in your mind and be wrong. <laughs> I, I just I, be happy I, to get out of bed at that age. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, and I, I thought, man, I thought this the other day driving down the road. Um, Billy Epbauer was uh, Tom Brady's age, still winning Super Bowls. So, the level of competition was like you could say in their eyes was harder. And I'm talking about bucking horses disciplines right now. Mm-hmm. The buck, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I asked Billy one time. He said, "Shoot." You know, the only reason that I won so many world titles and was where I was was because of the horses that he was the horses that he was riding. You know, uh, and and I think back on it like, well, what if there was horses that weren't as good as Cool Alley and Miss Congeniality and Graded Coconut and Cover Girl? You know, some of the greats um, and Smurf. Uh, what what where would he have been? And that's kind of where you like, you're like, you can't change that. You can't, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that story's been written. Right. That story's been written. And it was written because of great Buckingstock, great horses. And I think that, I guess where I'm going with this is um, finding the right horse and finding the right rider. That makes a phenomenal, that makes a phenomenal team. It's the, it's probably the hardest, the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And Larry D. Guy told me that. Larry D. Guy, you know, world champion breakaway roper. Um, Larry D. Guy is, in my opinion, she's one of my heroes um, because she's a horseman and she's a world champion. But if you will watch um, in, 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 in performance horses and what I just said, it comes back to I'm not that great, but they are. But they're like I can I can only be as good as the horse that's underneath me. Yeah, and, it's a humility. And, yeah, very much so. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So good uh, stuff, man. So I want to revisit way back at the beginning of the show, right? You talked about at 13 years old, you knew what you wanted to do. Uh, both yeah. you and I share the common thought process of uh, kind of two elements, right? Focusing on the process, right? Getting good at the small stuff. The big stuff's going to happen and take care of itself. And and legacy. Contributing to something greater than you. So let's go back to that defining moment at 13 years old when you realized you wanted to do uh, uh, the announcing thing. And then how how that all came to be. How people poured into you. And now in turn, right? You've traveled a few miles down the road. Now you are starting to reinvest into some folks. So um, I'll yeah. leave it open-ended. You can pick it up where you want. But I, I really want to focus on the mentorship, the legacy side of your journey in becoming a pro rodeo announcer. First of all, I was, in my mind, destined to be a rodeo announcer. My mom was like, you ever be quiet? Do you ever shut up? You know, 
you know what? I think you should be a singer or you should be a this. Okay, cool. That was probably about, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old. I was sitting on the let out gate in Sutton County in Sonora, Texas. Okay. They used to have this rodeo, uh, bad company rodeo. Everybody is like, that is the most famous rodeo company. I think, uh, that come out of Texas, Mac Altizer, um, I was sitting on the let out gate and, uh, I heard the boys are back in town, you know, just blaring and you knew that it was rodeo time. And Mac Altizer had, was the, one of the first guys to ever incorporate rock and roll music and, and also, uh, tie names to his bucking horses and his bulls to rock and roll songs. And so I was like, my mom and I and me, I'm a big time eighties fan. Like I'm a big time hair band. Like I love, I love some hair metal. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I will get down right now. Don't tempt me. Um, so, um, I was sitting there on the let out gate. I heard the boys are back in town and Boyd Paul Hamas comes barreling into the arena. I mean, just barreling the, into the arena and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, that guy is cool. What's he have to say? You know, I'd never heard really, I never paid attention to an opening. And he does the invocation to the flag. He talks about cowboys and he talks about God. So he's talking about God, cowboys, and America. And I'm like, okay. I could probably get down I, with that. I can get down with all of this. Um, what about. What is, you know, like, and then he's riding a really cool horse. He's got some leggings on and he's got this handful of papers. Later did I know later in my life, in my career, that that handful of papers is like announcer Bible, but it's also the one that will make you say bad words after the rodeo or before the <laughs> organized. Um, and he had a microphone and um, my story aligned so scarily to his that I had broke my leg uh, I used to ride horse for Larry Coates, but at that time at 13 years old, I knew that's when I knew I either wanted to be a fighter pilot or I wanted to be an announcer. That's a true story. Real talk. I wanted to fly an A-10 or I wanted to fly a, a, an F-14. I'm just, just saying, uh, it's not a bad but, commuter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I broke my leg later on a couple years later at 19 and, uh, I didn't have any money. I didn't have like, like my parents were like, uh, like my mom took me to get an x-ray and I didn't have, I had a job riding Colts for Larry Coates at Coates Saddlery and, uh, Larry and Gary Coates came to me and they said, Cheech, you're a good announcer. I was in the arena pretending to be an announcer, right? I was pretending to be Boyd and Bob and, uh, Gary and Larry both come to me and there's this announcer school going on in Fort Worth in February during the rodeo. And Larry and Gary Coates both say, why don't you go to that announcer school? I'm going to pay for you to go to that announcer school. And I thought, you guys are nuts. Y'all are crazy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> y'all are stupid. This is dumb. This conversation is dumb. Y'all need to get off at the time. Like, Y'all need to lay off the Coors Lights. Gary, like, thank you, but uh, I'm good. No, you're going. So I was like, I don't have any money to go. The most money I've ever been handed it at one time at my life, uh, at this point, for me, like for me, they give me 3000 bucks. Jeez. So like, so I'm thinking I had a jackpot. Well, 1500 of that is for the school. And uh, the late... Uh, uh, he lived actually kind of close to where 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 you're where you're at, um, Chad Nicholson. Mm-hmm. The late Chad Nicholson, uh, man, this dude was awesome. He is awesome. He was just, I thought like this is my career path. I go into this place, and Bob Coleman comes in there about the second day of this school, and he said, "How many of y'all are single, and how many of y'all?" ready to be divorced and how many of y'all are hungry this was like sealed this was like sealed <laughs> my hand i love it was, i love it like dude there was only like three other hands up 
And he said, if you're lucky, there's only going to be one guy that comes out of this class that's going to have a successful announcer career. And I was like, this guy. Okay. Yeah. This, yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking, I got the chip on my shoulder, right? Like this guy, there's 50 people in this place. There's like 52 students. I'll never forget it. I looked around. There was like, Bob was like, how many of y'all are prepared to have a divorce and be single and go down the trail and be broke? And I'm like, this is not everything an announcer is, Bob. You're lying. <laughs> I'm lying. And so, uh, lo and behold, at the age of 19 years old, I went and did the Snyder Rodeo. And then two weeks later, I did. Uh, I was working PBRs. Um, that was in 2007. Um, and I went a lot of miles as a young guy. And it was very much true. I was single. I was broke, but I also knew that at the end of the light, uh, I, I basically went on a 10 or 11 year, uh, just grind. It was, it was a grind that, uh, was the hardest. And I'm going to tell each and every one of y'all out there, I'm going to say it cause I'm, I feel responsible for this for all of you young people out there listening right now. Don't do it unless you're prepared to pay the price. It and all I mean, comes with sacrifice. If you're not prepared, Bob Bob forgot to mention uh, no girlfriends, no partying, no when everybody's going to the lake or to the river, guess what you're doing? You're announcing a rodeo and you're trying to get paid and you're trying to keep a job that keeps you going so that you can go announce the next rodeo. And that was the thing that was so hard and I found so easy was – I don't care what this like bullcrap job is going to pay me as long as I have money to make it to um, a high school rodeo, a junior rodeo, a, a, a pro rodeo, a, a amateur rodeo. Like I didn't care. I, I care. I did not care. Um, I was prepared to do it. I drove through a blizzard. I'm not going to sit here and tell y'all what I did and why y'all should do it. But I have I've spent the night in my truck. I had a single cab Ford. I spent the night in that thing in a blizzard. I spent the night in a blizzard in South Dakota at a bull riding. I didn't have money to buy a hotel room. I drove from Norco, California to Plymouth, California uh, to be at a rodeo the next day. That actually Chad Nicholson was supposed to be there, and I had to go there for four-star. I drove there. I didn't I didn't have money to fly. Dude, airplane tickets? That was like not, yeah, not happening. Like I was like, I'm going to get on an airplane? Like I've been on a lot of airplanes, but I was like, I got money. Like. I was like, no, like I, I'm going to drive this. I'm like, I was like, I'm driving this shit out. I am not, I'm going to see the country. I'm going to go and see things that at people at my age are not doing. And that's how I felt about it. I was passionate. I was ready. I was ready to sink the ship if I had to, to make it to wherever I needed to go. Yeah. Um, but I was also smart in the sense of the dollars that I made doing it i didn't may not made a whole lot of them but i also knew that this was a business and in order to have a business it has to make money that's when life changes when you turn 20 whatever and you're on a you grow up on a ranch and those kind of things come in handy uh a lot of people don't know this as a i'm an equine chiropractor i chiropracted horses for real like still to this day, yeah, yeah. Man, like I chiropracted horses to be able to get a hotel room or just have some folding money or, dude, I, I clean stalls. Like it, it was the most amazing time of my life. Um, it was like everybody's seen Coors Lights and Bright Signs, and I seen an announcing career come into shape, but. I had to go through the process. I'm still going through the process. It will forever be a process. That's yeah. life, right? Yeah. Building, I wanted to build the biggest building, right? But I also, I didn't have girlfriends, really. I didn't have, I didn't go to barbecues. I didn't go to the lake. I didn't, uh, like my family, for 11 years, my mom would see me in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the wintertime, a little bit in the spring, and in the summer, I was gone. 
And so I knew when the perfect time was to, like I started feeling myself get into a routine. I knew. And those jobs become more and more and they paid a little bit better. And then uh, when I was making nothing, I would still put, whether it was $5 or a dollar, I put it into a savings account. That way, when I went on the road, I would have money. And this was, this was like, this was pre Venmo and pre PayPal and pre like, like if you ran out of money on the road, like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> You're digging through the like, ashtray. Yeah. Like, dude, you were digging through the, like, I remember one time I had like 500 bucks cash. Right. And, um, a hundred of it was, I finally got a, I finally got a committee talked into, uh, buying me a hotel room because it was their host hotel. You know, I was like, maybe they'll go for it. Maybe they, you know? And so, um, the, the amount of the amount, well, like I said, going back to saying like growing up on a ranch, you didn't need much. So you don't, you don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not spending a whole bunch on fancy stuff. Yeah, so you're, I, you were bed rolling it. You were, you know, uh, I, I always seem to eat good. I always Sam seem to just be like, like, okay, y'all can buy booze, but I'm gonna buy something to eat. Like I'm not doing this. But I met a lot of friends, and my family on the road. We were always there for each other, and that was the big turning point of my my my, my mom, my brother, my dad. Everybody, my granddad, my granddad's my biggest hero because that guy, he's horseman. He's cowboy. But I always seem to call him. You know, he always wanted to know where I was at. Uh, he always wanted to know what part of the country I was in. And um, my family that was on the road was just as tight as my family back home. And I think that, I thank God every day that I ran into those people because between the ranch and the people on the road, that's what saved my life and the horse, you know, and, and, and the horses. But that's, that's ultimately what saved my life, my career, my lifestyle, uh, my love for people and life and business. Um, and being able to live the way I wanted to live for 11 years, it was wild. It was just doing whatever you had to do to make your career path and blaze a trail, your own trail. Nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah, I had to, absolutely. You had to get off your ass and actually make go. it happen. Make yes. it happen. So I want to touch on the hunger side of things, right? And, yeah. and this is what I love talking about and, and, and playing sports. I always ask guys this and, and now in the horse world, it's something that I focus on, right? So what for you and your story and your journey provided that hunger to keep pushing on? Because I've walked a similar road and there are many, many hours of self-doubt and frustration. And why am I doing this? And what is this for? Right. You just get consumed by it. So what for you provided that push that kept you hungry to fight through those storms in South Dakota, right? Sleeping in a single cab truck. Jason, you're hitting all the good ones that I don't know. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> we like to do a little um, thinking on this show. Well, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps. My, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and break this down. And this is going to sound very, very, it, almost morbidly blunt. My friends back at home were okay with having a wife and having kids and buying a house and living like that till the end. I don't care if they were making 50,000 a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Their career was getting up, having a wife, having a kid. That's great. That's okay. You, there's announcers that do it now. There's, you know, but I wasn't. I was shoveling sour feed. If any, if any of you out there have ever shoveled sour feed in the middle of summer, a matter of fact, I went back to that same place and now, uh, you know, doing a little bit of brand rep stuff for rodeo time. I went back to that same place and I thought, man how things have changed. I looked up to that very same place. This happened two days ago at Angelo Pellets in San Angelo. I was shoveling feet off there. Well, it was sour. And you know what happens to sour feet? I don't really want to give that, you know, like, <laughs> okay. I threw the shovel down. I went down and I walked in and I said, I quit guys. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this. Because what made, what kept me hungry was I wasn't okay with just settling. I yeah. was going to be, 
best and I was going to outwork everybody. And the person, dude, I'm going to tell you another thing that really, it pissed me off, but it also gave me fire. I was going to show my, I was number one, I was a bad student. So I didn't go to school. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to college. I didn't like that was, I didn't do that. Like, and if you go to college, that's fine. If you don't like you choose your own path. That's what's so great is you're in control. But the, but here's, here's what kept me very, very hungry. All the naysayers and the doubters that told me I needed to go get a job and I needed to this and I needed to that. And I was like, I'm going to show all you guys. Like, I'm going to show all of y'all. All of y'all are going to suck. All of y'all suck right now. Like, that's just how I felt. Like, you, like, you have, like, I looked at people sometimes, for instance, for instance, my fuel was like, this dude right here has been roping all of his life and has not accomplished anything. And he's still right here drinking beer, gassing, yeah, gassing. It's him. disgusting. Right. Like I was like, you guys suck. What am I going to do? I'm going to fail a, a hundred more times than you guys. But the five or six times that I succeed, they're going to be like game. They're going to be game changing life experiences. And they're going to be game changing career changes. Like, I am not, I was not going to sit in San Angelo and be okay. Like knowing that I could have done better and I didn't because I was a lazy or two living off of everybody else's fears or three, just going to be okay with saying no. I'm telling you this right now, Jason, into the world out there. If it was, this was for real, like this was a crusade. I didn't wake up and decide, man, I'm going to go. It, it was it was the hardest thing, and that's what I loved. I loved outworking, and I loved I loved just getting into the ditch and saying, man, this sucks, but it's going to be over. And I'm going to, for instance, like another instance, when you announce a rodeo that normally, like when you're starting out and they're junior rodeos or they're whatever rodeos and they're paying you crap money, you're getting paid to do something that you absolutely love. So why wouldn't you continue to go? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Right? So, so uh, everybody like I'm, I get like goosebumps about it because I wasn't really prepared to talk about it, but I'll tell you if you're not willing, like I said, to pay the ultimate, like to pay the price, if you're not willing to die for what you're going to do, I don't care if it's your living for your country, for the right thing. Stop. You've already lost. Don't try it. Yeah, find a different path. Find a totally different path because if you're not a number one and you're trying to – if you're not a number one and you try to go and do that thing, that one thing, that's the hardest, that is getting to live life. And you've heard this before. I, I, listen, I'll, I'll tell anybody. I'm going to be the Gary V of rodeo announcers. And I think I've told you yeah, that before. Absolutely. We've talked about it. But people – are not willing to go like perfect example, barn dominium that I live in right now that doesn't have a bathroom, just has a toilet and a sink and a shower right over there in a bedroom together. It's, and it's a highly really- sought after open floor plan, right? Isn't that what they yeah, sell in the I, real estate world? Exactly. <laughs> not willing. Everybody sees bright lights, course signs and these great big rigs and these great big pickups. Let me assure you and tell you something and remind you of everything right now for all of you young listeners out there that are going to, break out into the world and guys that are over 35 or over 40 i'm not talking to you guys gals guys over that age young people listen to what i'm telling you right here on this show because you'll hear me say this on other social media platforms and i will be historically correct because i'll call jason five years from now and i will say hey jason remember that day we were doing this run this let me see that right quick yes sir you did not – people that have wealth did not acquire it at your age unless they worked their faces off or, B, it was given to them by somebody that has a trust fund or a lot of money. So go and work your face off. Go work as hard as you possibly can. I don't care in what discipline in the horse or in the Western industry – or whatever. I don't care if it's stacking bricks. If I'm gonna like, that's what's so crazy about this. That they made this money and they're living this fake great life on Instagram and Facebook, and in reality, 
grandma and grandpa gave them money or mommy and daddy gave them money. But if they didn't, mazel tov and great job. And yes, I'm glad you made your own money because you worked. That's what kept me hungry. And I was not going to be anything. I was not going to lose. I was not going to still to this day, still to this day right now, I'm, I'm bidding rodeos left and right, but I'm also being very smart. The process, my man, the process, when you get to the end of that, whatever it is you're wanting to build, I'm scared. I'm scared. I put myself in position sometimes where like the coronavirus happened. You know what? Three years ago, I was putting myself, what if, what if this all ends? What am I going to do? It's not, what am I going to do? It's how I'm going to adjust. Yeah, absolutely. And so anyway, like staying hungry, man, I, I always thought to myself, man, if, a, if another announcer next to me was to pick up a microphone, he's going to mess up. My train of thought stopped right there and I adjusted and I said, I'm going to ask him, number one, if there's anything I can do to help him, number two, what can I do better? And you stay working alongside somebody, but please don't get it twisted. You guys out there that are young, um, that are wanting to get out in the Western industry, you need to work harder than the person next to you. You need, you, you don't have to. Some of you won't. There's plenty you, of those out there. That's fine. You, you need, you don't want, you need, if you're going to survive, if you're going to get kicked in the face, the ribs, if you're, if you're going to go and take this ass whipping, you better be mentally, physically, and you better be one with yourself and you better have a relationship with God because you're going to be talking to him a lot, whether through your puking, all night driving, or man, why do I do this? It's because what you love to do, you are willing to give everything for it. And now, now not now. I think about this now. I'm, I'm not. This this throws another element into this. Once a guy gets married and has a family, you're not willing to give them up for that. They're going to have to adjust to it too. So you better find a good woman or a good guy. I don't. There like there is a lot of traveling, and then there's a lot of price in this. But you better find a good partner. That's going to walk through the gates of hell, go and get what you need and be like, hey, by the way, Satan, I'm going to punch you in the face and make and laugh about <laughs> it. And like, remember that one time when you left me, when you tried to break me down and he's testing you every day and you just walk up and open hand slap him. And that person's going to walk right back out there with you. Cool, calm and collected. It's because it's tough, man. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. It's the hardest thing. And so uh, that's how I feel about it. If you want to stay, if you want to keep hungry, you stay hungry even when your pockets are full. You stay hungry even when the chips are down. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine, you better be ready. And that's that's it. And you know what? It's not for everybody. And that's okay. A lot of that's, people don't understand that. That's okay. The fail, The failure rate of this is a lot. Not everybody, everybody that goes in there wants to be a Navy SEAL or wants to be a Ranger or a recon. Like, you know what? The failure rate, look at the failure rate. Look at how many times they tried. Look how many times those guys have tried that and they failed. It is okay to fail, people. People are so scared right now to fail. And I, I don't know, Jason, like it pisses me off when people are scared to fail. Dude, I, I lived that life for, for a lot of years, right? The, the only reason I was good at baseball as I was, is I was scared of failing. And the one hang up or the one question I would ask myself in retrospect that I try to live life now, especially through the horsemanship stuff, yep. is if, if I lived that life or walked that journey of life without the fear of failing, seeking failure. And it was like that when I first started working horses, right? I didn't want to mess the horse up or I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to retract from yesterday's training or like you talk about the gate work, right? You had a successful pass on the gate. Cool. We're done. Right. Now, when I get out and ride, I want to find every single hole in the game that I could possibly find for me and the horse because the faster I find them, the faster I plug them up, the faster I plug them up, the farther along and the farther down the road we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, in retrospect, are there things that I would have done different 
when I watched Boyd Paul Hamas open that rodeo, the sight, the smell, the feeling, I knew that that was for me. I knew. And I didn't know being naive. I was, I was, uh, and this goes to even, like, I'm talking now to like everybody that's, you know, older, older folks and older than me, respectfully. Um, I think once you wake up, you know that feeling, for some of you, you may not be able to relate to this, but I want to correlate a little bit of something to some people that did have this feeling. And I remember when my granddad would go leave to go and gather some cows, and I would miss the truck, and it only happened to me two or three times in my life. It only happened to me a couple times, because the next, I knew how I felt. I knew the guilt that 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 getting left behind feeling was like it was it sucked. The same feeling I have about uh, like the same feeling I have about that. Like people told me, go to college, go get a job, go do that. I didn't feel that feeling. The feeling that I had when I got left behind was not doing what I wanted to do. Um and that's most commendable, right? Because a lot of people fall into that rut of just life, right? Everybody else is doing it. It's comfortable. Let's go. Yeah. I would I would almost think that it would be uh, like – I would almost be willing to think that um, if, you're, if, if you're doing what you don't like and you're okay with it, you're in the process – of something really big and you just don't know it because if you're doing something that you don't like, but you know that it's going to be for the better, the betterment of what you're doing, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something that is part of the process. So when people talk about the process and they don't know what it feels like, or they've never felt it, if you're doing something right now, that sucks, but you know, in five years and another thing, this might take half of your life to build this might take a quarter of your life it took a quarter of my life 11 years i'm 30 some years old and i didn't say a word for a long time but uh, i want people to know like the process is long it's very long and and the journey though is fun but the process is just long and and when i say fun it's not all it's not all bright lights and core signs like i said it's fun because you don't never know what's around the next corner but if you're doing something right now i feel that sucks you're like man i can't wait to get this done um and you're looking in the short term the, the micro versus the macro like your process is beginning that is that feeling i have a lot of dms i have a lot of people asking me what's the process like if you're working somewhere that sucks and you know, later on down the line, you're going to be the best. I don't know. Uh, you're going to be the best uh, bullfighter, uh, bronc rider. Uh, I'm using I'm using Western industry. If you're going to be a uh, NFL football player, if you're going to be a, a, a baseball player, basketball player, an athlete, whatever. I don't care if it's a lawyer. You've started your process because you know at the end the macro in five or eight years. Um. You're, that's the process, and it takes a long time. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we blew through an hour worth of time. This is probably one of the fastest shows I've ever uh, recalled. Um, I think we could go on for hours and hours, and maybe we'll have you back and blow up on some of these other subjects. But I like to yeah, wrap every show. I like to wrap every show since we're founded in freedom, right? And how the horse kind of helps liberate people and get them out from under rocks and ruts and helps personal development and, and human performance. Um, so I like to frame every show ending with a question around freedom. So in in your life, in your experience in chasing professional rodeo announcing, what would be your advice to somebody maybe a few years down the trail behind you, something that you experienced a challenge or adversity, and what did you do to overcome it to provide freedom in your pursuit of your passion? Oh, man. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and triple down and believe again in yourself. And don't let any, don't sway. 
Don't sway off of anybody else's opinions. Believe in yourself, yourself, and stay true to what you're good at and your and in your talent and in yourself as a human. But just be prepared to work. That's it. I love it. I love it. Hey, Cheech, before we cut out, man, let's go over social media, websites, YouTube channels, all that stuff where people can consume more of your content. We didn't even get a chance to brush on the social media side of things, but I know nope. after this episode, people are going to be wanting to know more and learn more about you. So where can they find you? How can they follow you? You can just go to Instagram and it's uh, you can look up Show Nation. Um, I always welcome everybody. I'm Cheech, you guys are the nation kind of deal um you can go to uh facebook josiah zapata um and snapchat uh guys i'm there on snapchat i'm pretty easy to find uh and and uh we're going towards tiktok now i'm i'm plotting myself on tiktok yeah what's the deal there you dancing every day or what no no dances okay 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 (laughs) i can get down (laughs) and you don't want to show off the trade secrets right no no and youtube and we're plotting our assault on YouTube, but uh, listen, I hope to be back and maybe talk some social media stuff with you guys. You know, that wouldn't be a bad idea, man, because I think marketing and, and the Western industry, we, we fall short selling ourselves. I know I, I sure as heck do, right, as far as getting the material out there. That'd be a great idea, dude. Yeah, no, no, uh, absolutely. I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, man. Well, as always, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your investment for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast, man. And we will see you again on the show, hopefully here in the near future. Yes, sir. Thank right, you. Brother. We'll talk to you later. Right, hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.